Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. In today's beautiful gospel, we find something a bit different in the narrative of the story of our <clears throat> salvation. A few weeks ago, we had the Annunciation of our Lord to St. Mary, uh, which was very joyous, right? The prophecy is being fulfilled, the Messiah is coming, everything that we have been waiting for, all of the suffering, <clears throat> all of the waiting is over, He is coming. Then we go to where St. Mary visits St. Elizabeth and we see that St. John the Baptist is leaping for joy. He is leaping in exaltation to the Lord. And again, we are very happy. And then we come to last week, the nativity of our Lord. The King is here. He is born. We glorify Him. We honor Him. The shepherds come and they offer Him gifts. Halas, salvation has come and the reign of Satan has ended. The reign of Satan has ended. Then we come to today's gospel and it's one of warning and caution, right? Danger is looming around, so we have to flee. We have to run, we have to, we have to hide, we have to figure something out. Let's analyze this together today and see what God is telling us specifically today. Because I believe perfect timing is in order. We read that St. Joseph was warned in a dream by the angel saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. <clears throat> to destroy him. Now hold on a second. Isn't this God? Isn't this the Messiah? Isn't this the King of Kings, the Son of God? Why does he need to run? Why does he need to hide? Who is going to be able to destroy God? No one, of course, but it shows us that God specifically with this story is teaching us something so that we can discuss this today and throughout the end of the ages. God is giving us something today that we want to hold on to very, very closely. We'll dive into that. But I want to talk about St. Joseph for a minute. Can you imagine <clears throat> being St. Joseph? We go over the story quite quickly. He was told in a dream to go. He went and then the story continues. They came back. Very, very quickly. But can you imagine an angel coming and say, saying to you, uproot your entire life, your friends, your routine, your job, and go to this faraway place, and there's no timeline. I'll let you know when you're going to come back. I'll let you know. I'll come back and let you know. There needs to be total trust. Do you hear St. Joseph saying, well, hold on a second. How can this be? Or any questions at all? Zero. No question. Nothing. Not a why, not God, what's going on? We were here to, to take care of your son, what? Nothing. Okay. You want me to go to Egypt? I'm going to go to Egypt. And Egypt here represents something much deeper than just our personal home. Right? Egypt for Joseph was something of what? Of, of what memory? Of traumatic memory, right? Because Joseph was what? What was his religion? He was Jewish, right? So at that time, Egypt for the Jews was the place of what? 
suffering and slavery. Absolutely. It was this place that they barely made it out of alive. Right? I barely made it out of this place alive. And now you want me to go back? Why? Why do you want, why specifically there? Why do you want me to go back there? But we read, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. So Egypt here represents many, many things. Sometimes in our life, God will call us to go to Egypt. Not for vacation or to visit our families, but to go to a place that is very uncomfortable for us. A place filled with difficulties. A place or a season where we don't understand what's happening. And we, like Joseph, we have to trust and go. It could be a situation that God is putting us through. <clears throat> and we might respond, but you are God, you can fix this. Why do I have to go? Why can't you just kill Herod? Get rid of him. Why do I have to go to Egypt? No, there is a reason why God wants us to go to Egypt. God today is teaching us when He calls us to go to Egypt or when He calls us to go through tribulation or a season of we don't know where He's taking us, where He's bringing us, when we're going to come back. We have no idea what we're going to do. It means that there is a calamity, something very dangerous for us and God wants us to be hidden until this calamity has passed, until this trouble has passed. Even if it looks like we're going into more trouble, we don't know what's going on. We're under attack. There's an issue. No, God is saying, I'm in control. I, I got it. I want you to go through all of this because there is a deeper, darker force at work. And I want that to pass while you're going through this tribulation that I am with you. I am with you. We don't want to say to God as we often do, God, you know, we give, we give God a rap sheet when we go through a tribulation. We tell Him, I'm fasting, I'm praying, I go to church, I serve, I'm a deacon, I am a, I'm cooking, I'm doing all of these things for your church. Why, why would you leave us? Why are you allowing us to go through this trouble? Why? Why are you putting me far away from my home? Why are you changing our comfort zone? Why are you taking certain people and putting them in different... Why? Why, is, why are these things happening? But no, God is telling us, I want you to go for a time, but I am in control. Go back to Egypt. We want to be as obedient as Joseph was obedient. And I'm speaking to myself before anything. But what good can come from this? Why? Why would God put us somewhere while the calamity passes? What's going on while we are away? <clears throat> the first point we want to talk about is a connection with God. I can imagine, we can imagine together that God wanted St. Joseph and St. Mary to build the connection with the child Jesus. It wasn't just that they went to Egypt and came back. No, there was experience. There was many experiences that happened. You can imagine them on the donkey traveling and the king's chariots are going around looking for these babies to kill them and they don't know where they're going to go or where they're, where they're going to end up. But there is this beautiful trust and this connection with God. So we might ask why or be upset with God, but God says to us, no, in this tribulation is where you're going to experience me, where you're going to experience coming together close to God where you're going to experience a deeper relationship with God. Out of this tribulation, something good will come. In Isaiah, God says, I will not allow pain without something new to be born. Something will be born. And for us specifically, God going to Egypt, Joseph, St. Mary and Jesus Christ going to Egypt has a special blessing for us personally, everyone sitting here today, because we are from Egypt and we know that Egypt is blessed. God said it, blessed be my people Egypt. <clears throat> How many miracles, if you think about it, have we experienced in our difficult times? If we think back to many times in our lives where we were stuck, 
where we were in a very, very tight position, where we were going through a very difficult tribulation. Usually when the tribulation is over, okay, thank you God, and we move forward, and then the next tribulation. But we want to look back and see how many miracles God has done for us. Because I'm sure if every single one of us looks at our lives, you will see, we will see miracles. We will see that God has saved us and that calamity has passed. So if we are called to go to Egypt, it's because He wants to give us a rich experience of Him. Even if we don't understand what we go, what's going on and even if it looks like it's the complete opposite. It looks like everything is on fire and everything is going wrong. No. God is the one who always is, always was, and always will be in control. Sometimes we don't realize how much we need God. We don't realize how much we get stuck in the routine of life, right? We have our jobs, we have our daily routine, we have our times when we get our coffee, when we have our breakfast, when we spend time with our families, when we go to church, and everything is kind of autopilot. Autopilot. And sometimes, unfortunately, we become complacent. We become complacent. And God says, no, I don't want you to become complacent and too comfortable. I want a deeper connection with you. And this is only going to happen if we go together to Egypt. To go together to this place of suffering. Because it's through the suffering that we are close together until this calamity has passed. Until Herod is, until he goes away. And then we'll go back to everything, we'll go back to normal. For a short period of time. There has been a study that was done when they asked people who, and I think I've shared this before, people who are on their cancer beds, right? And, and it looks like all hope is lost. 90% of the time, you see the family who is asking and the loved ones, why is this happening, God? Why we're so upset? Why isn't God doing anything? But if you ask the person themselves how they feel, 90% of the time, they are joyous. There, there's a hint of sweetness. They're saying, this is where I am experiencing God. There is no other distraction in my life other than this tribulation. And this is where I am closest with God. This is where I feel God. There are tribulations like this that the saints even asked for. Saint Tamav Irini, she asked for cancer. She asked for the tribulation of sickness. Because she knew it would bring her closer to God. So sometimes, actually always, always the tribulation will bring us closer to God. So Egypt is that place in this story. It's the place of tribulation. It's the place that we are sometimes called to go to separate us from what is distracting us from God. To separate us from what is leading us further away from God. Even if we, again, if we don't understand what's going on. There is a story that I once shared in a sermon here and I shared with, with most of you, but I think I will share it again and I think this story will have a different flavor given the season that we are in. There was once a priest who was coming back to Egypt, he was traveling abroad, and he got arrested. If you remember the story, he got arrested. And he got arrested, and he left his bags and everything, and, and they took him into a car, and they took him to jail. And on the way, he's asking them, he's like, what's going on? I, I think you have the wrong guy here. And they're being very rough with him. So they take him to jail, and they put him in a cell with the, yani, the worst criminals. They put him in this cell. There's murderers, rapists, killers, everything in this cell. And this is in Egypt. So you can imagine for a priest, this was very, very difficult. So he's praying to God and he's like, God, what's going on? Why are you bringing me here? Why am I in jail? I'm, I just came back. I didn't even see my wife or my kids. What's going on? I have no idea what's going on. No idea. And then someone comes close to him and grabs his hand. And Abuna pulls his hand. Of course, he's in jail. It's not the place for anyone to touch his hand. But he looks up and he sees this gentleman crying and he's saying to him, I just want to kiss your hand. 
and he's crying. So Abuna is looking at him and he's saying, you know, why are you crying? And he said to him, I was on the other side of this cell and I was praying to God and I was saying, God, I, I, I've messed up again. And that's how I ended up in this cell. I made that mistake again and I never want to do it again. I'm looking for repentance. And the first opportunity I have to find a priest to confess, I'm going to confess and I am never going to do this again. But he was thinking to himself, how am I going to confess? Where am I going to find a priest in my situation? How am I going to find a priest in jail? And God brought him what? A priest to confess. And after he took his confession, and after the priest read him his absolution, that's when the cops came and said, oh, we got the wrong guy, you're free to go. So if you imagine, before the end of this story, if we were just to stop it, he went to jail, we would all think, why? Why God? Why would you do this? He is a servant. He is your worker in the church. And how can he go to jail? How can this injustice happen? How? But look at the good that came out of that. Look at the good that has come out of that. There's a story also of St. Constantine the Great. There was a story where he visited, after his departure, he visited um, one of the monks. So one of the monks was telling him, asking him about paradise. And St. Constantine the Great, by the way, for those who you know who he is, he was the emperor of one of the greatest empires in the world, the Roman Empire. He said to this monk, he said, if I knew the glory of those who suffer on earth, what their glory looked like in heaven, I would have given up all of my kingdom. This is something very heavy for the emperor of Rome and during a very prosperous time, right? St. Constantine is, and he's our friend, he restored the religion of Christianity. So, so he's telling this monk, if I knew the glory of those who suffer in heaven, I would have given this all up and I would have suffered. And there's another saint, I believe it was St. Barbara who said this too. She, she had a relationship with a monk. A monk was praying, asking for intercessions in her prayers. But she appeared to him and they had a relationship, a friendship, kidda. And he would always ask her to pray for him. And when people would come to him, he would send St. Barbara to, to pray for them. So he was having a dialogue with her and he's asking her about heaven. And she's saying, you know, I only have one regret in my life. And this is St. Barbara. This is Yanni, a huge saint in our church. She said, I wish I would have suffered a little bit more. I wish I would have suffered a little bit more. Because the glory of those who suffer on earth... It's nothing compared to the glory to come. And St. Paul tells us this, right? The little suffering that we go through here is working for us a great glory in heaven. So even if we don't know what's going on, God is working for the glory for us in, in heaven. So let us accept the call to go to Egypt, even if we have no idea what's going on. And then when we look at the next part here, it's quite profound. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. He was exceedingly angry and he sent out to kill all of these, these babies. It shows us why this is all happening. Why? Because while we are in Egypt, while we are in the tribulation, the enemy can't touch us. He can't come near us. He's angry, absolutely, but he can't come near us. He can't find us. Because we are under the shadow of His wings, dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, as we hear in Psalm 91. And furthermore, we read, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and return to the land of Israel. For those who sought to, to take the young child's life are dead. Now the calamity has passed. The danger has passed, 
and everything is restored as it was before and even better with more blessings. It shows us that when we trust God and when we go through the tribulation, when it's over, whatever was after us is dead. The sin that we were struggling with is crushed. The addiction is crushed. The thing that was holding us from salvation has been removed. And sometimes we have to go deeper into tribulation to get away from that thing, as long as, as we are with God. And if we do this valiantly, we will be called a Nazarite. Because we read, the angel told Joseph to go through Nazareth, right? It was a safer path. And St. Cyril of Alexandria talks to us and he says he was called a Nazarite, not just because he was from Nazareth, but a Nazarite. Anyone know what a Nazarite is? Definition of a Nazarite? Hmm? No. <laughs> yes, but not only that. <laughs> Someone who is wholly dedicated to God. Fully dedicated to God. Fully. His whole life is dedicated. This is what a Nazarite is. John the Baptist, Elijah, Samson. Wholly dedicated to God. And Jesus Christ, even though, yes, He is God, He is wholly dedicated to God. He, he came here for one purpose and He fulfilled that purpose and nothing else to save us, to give us salvation. So if we want to be called Nazarites, if we want to be from Nazareth like our Lord is, then we have to go through this tribulation. We have to go through this tribulation. And after going to Egypt, you never come back the same. There's no one who experiences these tribulations and comes back the same. No, they are fortified. They are blessed. They have power. They have strength. They have experience with God. That connection is deep. And in James... One verses two, we read, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. So it shows us here that this Egypt that we're going through, this tribulation, it's so that we may be perfect and complete. We have to be perfect and complete. Again, even if it doesn't make sense. Even if it looks like we're going in the opposite direction. No. God is in control. God is in control. And quickly, the second point as to why this is happening, if you're, uh, why Jesus had to go to Egypt, if you, especially something, again, very personal to us, Jesus blesses Egypt. God wanted Jesus to be a blessing to Egypt, and we know that the Church of Alexandria is a big blessing to the whole world, right? How many saints did the Church of Alexandria give us? We have St. Athanasius, we have the creed, we have the theology that is taught, that the faith that is defended. We have over 40 million martyrs in our history in our Egyptian church. Over 40 million martyrs. It's Egypt where the monastic life flourished, where we have living witnesses, people who gave up their life to worship and to fast. Egypt is the only Gentile land, by the way, that Jesus visited. And it is there where He blessed all the other Gentile nations. Jesus, of course, came for the Jews. They were the chosen people. And Christ goes to Egypt to show the world that all are welcome to be His children if we carry our cross and follow Him. If we carry our cross and we follow Him. So we are called to be a blessing to others as Jesus blessed our nation and blessed our land. We know that when Jesus entered Egypt, all of the idols in the land, what happened to them? They were crushed, right? All of the idols, they fell down. So it's by people experiencing Christ in us that these idols are crushed, these idols of sin. So if we are called to Egypt, make sure that you are holding on to him as St. Mary and St. Joseph did on the journey. And may God give us strength and courage to accept the call to go to Egypt and to trust his purpose and his plan. And may we be a source of blessings to all those we meet as Christ is our blessing. And may he give us strength 
peace and comfort. And may He give strength, peace and comfort to all those who are currently in Egypt awaiting the calamity to pass. And glory be to God. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.